You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. Hey there, Screen Beans. Have you heard about Screen Snark? Rachel, this is an ad break. They aren't Screen Beans until they listen to the show. Fine. Potential Screen Beans. You like movies and TV shows, right? I mean, who doesn't? Screen Snark is a casual conversation about the movies and television shows that are shaping us as we live our everyday lives. That's right, Matt. We have a chat with at least one incredible guest every episode, hailing from all walks. We've interviewed chefs, writers, costumers, musicians, yoga teachers, comedians, burlesque dancers, folks in the film and TV industry, and more. We'd be delighted for you to join us every other Monday on the Certain POV Podcast Network. Or wherever you get your podcasts, fresh and tasty off the presses. What? what? That's... No, that's not... Can I call them Screen Beans now? Fine. Screen Beans! So tune in and we'll see you at the movies or on a couch somewhere. Because you're a whole Screen Beans now. <laughs> you okay there, buddy? Pain medication. Ah. <laughs> Welcome back for another shift on the Geeks Watch. This week we are back talking about Loki on Disney Plus episode two, the variant. And I don't know, do we get do we get some surprises, everyone? No, no surprises. Not really. Not, no, one, not, not really. one whatsoever, John. I'm happy though. The only real surprise is that stuff is happening much sooner than I thought it was going to. Fair. Eh, that's fair. fair. Yeah, I did expect it to be at least one more episode before we found out who the other Loki was. I don't think we actually found out who the other Loki is. I think yes, that's a we'll mystery. Talk about that. <laughs> so yeah, we will ha- we will have to talk about that. Uh, before that, as always, though, we're going to get into our week's watch. Uh, so Elizabeth, what did you watch this week? <laughs> so it's it's been a, a mission of Mitch's to get me to watch all of the Fast and the Furious movies before Fast and the Furious 9 comes out. Now, I have had a reprieve because they kept pushing back the date in 2020, <laughs> but the time has finally come. I mean, honestly, we had an extra year. We should have watched it in that time at some point. I didn't really want to watch them. <laughs> you honestly don't have to watch them before we watch the other movie. It's it's shoot them up with cars. Are you, are you really going to be missing any story points? You say that whenever I make the statement, like, I don't really want to watch it. But then... Every time I go to not watch it, you're like, oh, no, you need to watch them before Fast and the Furious 9. <laughs> so, so far, I've gotten through two in the last couple days. Um, the first one was was good. I feel gypped on the second one because there was no Vin Diesel. I mean, I really am finding out oh, something about Elizabeth <laughs> and this obsession with Vin Diesel, but okay. <laughs> I, I don't see. I mean, isn't he supposed to be what the entire series is about? I mean, the like, series is about Vin Diesel and Paul Walker, and then Paul Walker unfortunately passed. Mm-hmm. Fair. 
So I guess the time I started paying attention, it was just Vin Diesel. So I thought yep. the entire thing was about him. <laughs> <laughs> I was very yep. confused and as to why Paul heard, Walker was relevant. I heard the only reason Vin Diesel even came back was because they offered him, because he wasn't in you know the next two, really, is, hey, if you please come back to the franchise, we'll give you the rights to Riddick. <laughs> That is true. Ah, that oh. He did get the rights to Riddick, but he didn't want to do any sequels after uh, Riddick or after uh, what, Pitch Black and uh, Fast and the Furious. But I, and I honestly think that he kind of came to, oh, they're not offering me original roles anymore. So, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah, because yeah, was it Man Apart didn't do that well? Uh, the one where he played a lawyer like a defense lawyer or something like that, that That's nobody what? even knows about. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't think I could watch that. <laughs> yeah. So it's probably his most successful movie. He plays a tree. His yeah. most successful. Well, no, those, the fast and the furious movies are really successful. They are. I yeah. mean, I would hope so. They're doing the ninth of it. Like <laughs> yeah, and the 10th right. and then the 11th. Yeah. They're so. filming the 10th uh, and 11th back to back. You mean I have to keep watching these things? <laughs> you don't have to watch anything. You're going to want to go to the no. movies and you're going to want to see these. So I'm going to have to watch them. <laughs> no, she needs it. So she can be like, now we're going to watch this musical. <laughs> and he's going to be like, mm. and then you're going to be like fast and furious. And he's going to be like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jessica. I need to keep my eye on the prize. Eye on the prize. Um, yeah, no, I just, I don't know. The second one, I liked Paul Walker's character better in the second one, but everything else was less interesting in the second one for me. Mm-hmm. There wasn't quite as many twists and turns. There wasn't, it, yeah, it felt almost tired. So, I'll tell you this. <laughs> going in, going into the first one is is the director is Rob Cohen. Uh, he's he's made a lot of movies, but it's not he's not a household name. People don't really know him as a director. Okay. Hmm. Uh, the second movie was directed by John Singleton, who more often than not made movies like Menace to Society, Boys in the Hood, uh, hmm. like a lot of the showing what the inner city was for okay. uh, black kids. Um, so him doing this movie was definitely a step out of his usual comfort zone. But that's the reason why we get Tyrese uh, Gibson in the movie. Makes sense. Okay, that that makes a lot more sense. Because I was like, all of a sudden, Paul Walker was from Barstow. And (laughs) I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) What did I miss? So then the third movie is going to be directed by Justin Lin. Justin Lin is going to make this movie it's you'll see that it's completely different than the other two movies like That's in all the ways tokyo drift right tokyo the third drift. one that was the first one i'd ever so seen if you've so. ever seen the live action remake of initial d or nope. the anime initial d or nope. the manga initial d <laughs> nope you're gonna see that a lot of the story points are taken from that oh okay didn't know that i'm gonna have to find initial d <laughs> <laughs> then uh after that like it's because they don't use a lot of big stars in that one, it makes a lot of money, especially overseas. Okay. So they stick with Justin Lin, who's going to start... He, like, number four is kind of a reboot to the story, but not really. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to get back Paul Walker and Vin Diesel. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're going to get back a lot of the people from the first movie, but then he's going to bring in new people from the other movies. And that's where the, the franchise becomes super successful. Yeah. With five, you bring in The Rock, and now the the franchise just kicks into 
Overdrive. Yeah. And it, it makes all the money. Is that the name of yeah, the... It's no, just, it's, it's just called <laughs> Fast Five. Oh, okay. It's fun. It's just yes. fun after four. It gets just really <laughs> okay, fun yeah. and enjoyable. Can I get there? We, we need to get there. Five is going to be your favorite movie. I can tell you this right now. Yeah. You specifically. <laughs> Wait, is five the one with the runway? Mm, no, that six? that's six. Okay. So, all right. So yeah. five, so, five, five is, is a heist movie. Okay, yes. And that's why great. she's going to yeah. like it. Yes. Six is, a, six is an Avengers movie. Yes. Like, it's literally the Avengers okay. coming I'm, together. I'm here for this. Yes. Okay. Seven is, oh, we need to fight this guy who is the ultimate bad. Yes. And then eight is our hero becomes the bad guy. Yes. Oh. And nine is, who knows? We don't know. Nine is we're Nobody going to space. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what you're saying Cars is I just space. have to get through the next two and then it gets better. For I, me. I, yes, for you. You you will <laughs> you might like four, but five is the one that you're gonna like. Okay. Yeah. So that's what I have so, to say. Audience, stay tuned because so far I'm. <laughs> well, by I'm, the time I'm, we record I'm the next one, you it. might have already watched all of them plus well, the new one. I would have had to have watched all yeah. of them plus the new one. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if you make it that far. <laughs> At this point, we've been talking about me having to do this for a year and a half. I just want to get it done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we got two more to watch today and three more to watch tomorrow. <laughs> I can watch one Monday, one Tuesday, one Wednesday. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, there it is. The Fast and the Furious from 2001 when they were stealing VCR TV combos. <laughs> that was entertaining. The... That was the other thing is, is I am sure when it first came out, those were really great looking outfits, but looking at them now, I'm like, oh God, what were we thinking? What did we do and why? You know, and I, I remember when they first came out because I watched, I think, part one at the Plaza Five Theater. Oh. That just tells you how old this thing is. <laughs> and yeah, I, I distinctly remember uh, like f- from the moment that movie came out to this overabundance of people trying to put body kits on their Honda Civics and just things getting really annoying on the road <laughs> from that point forward. Yeah, for me, it was the, um, I think the biggest one was the platform, um, like flats or oh. the platform flip flops oh, that were gosh. just all over the place. And I was like, oh, oh. I remember those. Broken ankles everywhere. Broken ankles ankles all the time. Yeah. And then the really tiny sunglasses. Everybody's got like the teeny tiny square sunglasses that barely cover your leg. Definitely don't do anything for UV protection. (laughs) I'm like, oh, yes, I remember that look. Not a look. (laughs) So that's the Fast and the Furious. That's the Fast and the Furious one and two. Uh, Okay. Uh, Jessica, we're going to jump to you. What did you watch this week? Okay, so the musical I think Elizabeth needs to make Mitch watch next is going to be Lin-Manuel Miranda's In the Heights. In the Heights. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Before, to, just to cut you off, uh, the first two Fast and Furious are available on HBO Max. Yes. Oh, okay. This in, is also available, also available on, on HBO <laughs> Max. And I think theaters everywhere. And in theaters, that's right. Um, but I... So I was introduced to Lin-Manuel with Hamilton, I think like most people, and then started listening to all the Hamilton soundtracks, and then you get In the Heights soundtracks mixed in on your playlist, right? And I'm like, this music's good, and I was like, why don't I know about this one? So In the Heights was Lin's introduction to Broadway, well, 
I guess, his big introduction to Broadway. Okay. This also won Tony Awards just as much as Hamilton. And it takes place in his neighborhood, Washington Heights. Um, and it's about this Latin community within Washington Heights that's dealing with gentrification. So when, you know, those small businesses go out and bigger businesses like Starbucks comes mm-hmm. in and your rent goes up, but you're still making the same amount of money, Oh yeah, you know, kind of thing. So it's really a lot about that, a lot about neighborhood and a lot about cities within, not cities, um, yeah, neighborhoods within New York and just subcultures and subcultures so it focuses a lot on latino culture which is something like i'm not part of but i grew up around Mm -hmm. so i think it was a pretty good representation of all the differences between it um lynn manuel is a genius playwright or musician just musical writer he does a lot of callbacks to a lot of other old musicals okay as well like of course like you think West Side Story, he calls back to like, of course you have to. I would assume and to then um, oh, there's another one. All that jazz, I think he calls back to. There's a okay. there's a bunch of Easter eggs in it. I didn't even catch them all, um, and just the the rapping slash musical and just constant upbeat. The characters are all very well written and interesting. Very well written female characters as well because Lin Manuel's really good at writing for the female and. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I don't want to give too much away because I know Elizabeth Appreciate wants it. to see it. But um, I really enjoyed it. I I love the music from it. I've been listening to the music from it. And um, the lead is played by Anthony Ramos. And he is also in Hamilton, too, okay. as well. Um, he plays Hamilton's son, I think. Oh, okay. The one that gets shot. Yeah. Um, and this place he's... He's the lead, so Lin Manuel's original part, and Lin Manuel is in it. He's got a smaller part of a. Uh, um, he sells shaved ice, Paraguay, I think is what it's called, but I feel like I'm saying it wrong. <laughs> it's been a while since I like I watched it like a week ago. I think it's Paraguay, um, which is a special. I think it's Puerto Rican shaved ice. I don't know. Correct me if I'm completely wrong, but and I'm sorry if I'm completely wrong, but. Yeah. I also heard there's like a lot of cameos. Uh, I didn't, I don't know. I was so absorbed in and faces okay. and me. I just, Fair. I was so absorbed in the story. I didn't really notice the cameos. Um, I think, uh, my mom said, uh, Jennifer Lopez's first husband or Mark second, Anthony Mark is Anthony it. is mm-hmm. in it. And I was like, that's him. Cause he looked not how I thought he looked. <laughs> so, um, and, and I heard Stephanie Beatrice shows up if, uh, Detective Diaz from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Oh yeah, she is okay. That was driving me nuts because like that can't be. She's she's playing like the complete opposite mm-hmm. of her Brooklyn Nine Nine character, and I'm like looking at her like, I mean yeah, I know she's an actress, but still I'm like wait no. Like, <laughs> Have you ever seen the the like those interviews where they, the, she she uses her real voice as opposed to her uh, Diaz voice? And no, it's, it throws everybody because it does is that, not is that her real voice? Yep. And oh my, gosh, I don't know I if that's it. what it is in in the in, in the Heights, but I'm sure she uses it instead of her Detective Diaz voice. But yeah, everybody is usually really thrown because they I think know, that's I, how I she love talks. It. She plays like a salon girl, basically, like a hair hairstylist. Yeah, that's that's her real voice then. Just such a <laughs> just a, such a stereotype, not stereotypical because it is real to the neighborhood and how they are. But it's just like she's like the salon girl, and to see her go to that from like Diaz, what I know her from, I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that's cool to know that it's actually more like her real voice at least. So I I don't know if you really wanted to bring this up, but 
I don't know if, if anybody else has heard about the controversy around the movie at this point. I have heard that there's not a lot of black Latino representation. There's no Afro Latino representation yeah. and there's no dark skin uh, Latinx representation. Everybody's kind of light skin. Like well, Jimmy that- Smith is like the only dark skin yeah that's not really me for me to have an opinion on like but there was one lead that was dark skinned that he had a pretty decent role but yeah i think when it came to like them panning out about all the different latin communities within this one huge community um yeah i don't remember a lot of dark skinned people in that scene so yeah i just wanted to yeah there is a controversy make make sure that's known uh it's it's definitely interesting and and obviously lin-manuel is not one for not representation yeah. And this is directed by John M. Chu, who mm-hmm. most recently wrote or directed uh, Crazy Rich Asians. So obviously that was a big part of representation, too. So uh, that is on HBO Max. Is there anything mm-hmm. else that you wanted to talk about with that? Uh, I kind of sort of started The Alienist and then I had issues with my TV turning off. So but I was That's enjoying a little it. disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not about aliens. It's, the Alienist it's not about is a Victorian yeah, uh, it's crime a, drama. Yeah, it's uh, basically okay. um, the beginning of um, profiling oh. serial killer. It's actually really good. I it's, watched the first two episodes. The book is really good. I read the book. The show looks really good, but the, the book is excellent. <laughs> and what a cast. I mean, mm. Daniel Brühl and Luke Evans mm-hmm. and L. No, not L. <laughs> the older sister. Dakota. Dakota Hello. Fanning. Thank mm-hmm. you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. That was that was originally on TNT. Now it's on HBO Max. Mm-hmm. John, what did you watch this week? Uh, so, to give you guys an idea first of the little adventure I went on, I had to have <laughs> a little uh, oral procedure done. Not the kind that Batman avoids, but more wow. tooth-related. <laughs> and <laughs> I had to work it in there. You know me. So, anyway. Um, I love that Yeah, so this meant I took some time off from work. And... Um, as a result, and probably in combination with some of the pain meds, I feel like I slipped into another dimension of time where everything slowed down. Uh-huh. And I watched quite a few things Good. during this past five days. Um, I watched uh, the part two of In Search of Darkness. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Shutter exclusive documentary about horror films. Which John um, and I, I watched through the, whole thing. the first one like, about? I just... I said, which you and I talked about for the first one in an overtime. Exactly. Yes. Um, Which more of the same. Uh, I'm not going to complain about it because I like the first one. This one just kind of covers a few kind of lateral things. Like they speak a little bit more with Tom Savini to a couple of the screen queens like Linnea Quigley. Um, If you've ever seen Return of the Dead, of the Living Dead. She's uh, the redhead that dances naked on the tombstone. She had a pretty prolific horror uh, career. Um, they talked to Barbara Crampton, who's one of my favorite screen queens from the 80s. Uh, and she actually goes a little bit into like the, the personal history of you know, being the it girl in horror movies and then kind of aging out of the roles and not getting any more calls and sort of the bitterness that comes with that. Uh, <laughs> But then getting rediscovered later in life, you know, and not being typecasted anymore and kind of how freeing that can be in some ways. Um, can I ask you a question real fast, John? Yeah, As a horror movie novice, I guess, uh, is there a difference between the final girl and the screen queen? 
Yes, because a Scream Queen can be... I mean, there's definitely an overlap. A Scream Queen can be a final girl. But the Scream Queen is usually, you know, just the character that's known for screaming her head off. You know, like Jamie Lee Curtis has been both. Um, so it, you can be a final... or you, If you're a final girl, you're a, a Scream Queen, but not all Scream Queens are final girls? I would say yes, yeah. Because okay. in many cases, the, the Scream Queens end up not making it. So... <laughs> It would not be, yeah. To scream. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have been screaming. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if you're in a horror scenario, don't scream. You might make it. Um, then, <laughs> yeah, you basically just go into a little bit more. This, this feels, it's weird because, I mean, obviously the first movie was relatively comprehensive or first documentary. Um, this one essentially follows the same format where you just kind of go from year to year from like starting 1980 to 1989. Um, but it, I don't know. I feel like this should actually just be edited together where it's like you kind of shuffle it into the first documentary and it would make more sense because, you know, going from 1980 to 1989 in part one, and then from 1980 to 1989 again in part two, you're just covering different movies and different actors. It's like, okay, that's odd, you know? Um, I, I would rather watch, honestly, I would watch an eight-hour version of this, like, <laughs> reshuffled together if it was just in the right order. I mean, the first one is over four hours, and the second one is Jeez. over four and a half hours. Like, I feel like there probably is someone going to make an eight and a half hour mega cut of the two. So, uh, just wait yeah. for it. And I wouldn't be surprised if they even um, go into like a part three. Like, there's there's definitely enough material, I'm sure. Like, all of this stuff from part two feels like it was leftover stuff from part one. <laughs> so, it's like, you know what? I'm sure there is like a. 12 hour cut out there that you could make into a serviceable mini series. And that's what it should have been. It should have been like a mini series, not like a solid chunk documentary. And then, like, probably like 10 episodes, like one hour covers every movie, and you'd be fine. Or not every movie, but every year. So the whole yeah. decade in like a 10 episode mini series would have been perfect, I think. Now, is this the documentary that you said they're going to be doing, what was it, 80s sci-fi or fantasy next? I feel like you talked about it's it. It's by the same people, but it's the, there's going to be, a, I think Mitch talked about watching one of them also that was specific for like 80s like action heroes yep. in search of a hero, oh. I think. Mm -hmm. um, oh, okay. Yeah, so it's basically the same producers are kind of in, in charge of these. Um, yeah, this one's the horror-themed one, and then there's going to be In Search of Tomorrow, which is going to be the sci-fi-based one. That one's been in like in production for a while, hasn't it? It feels like it's been a couple of years now, yeah. Like, yeah. I remember hearing about this back in, like, 2018, maybe. Well, as I learned from VHS Gems, there is a lot of sci-fi to dig through. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to fall into a very similar category with that documentary, because, I mean, the 80s were just the boom time for cheap horror and sci-fi. Yeah. And it's just, just, like... So many good things and so many bad things that came out <laughs> in that time. Yeah, it's uh, uh, I, obviously the In Search of Darkness did much more, much, much better than the In Search of a Action Hero, seeing as how they, the first, the Action Hero wasn't four hours long and they didn't get a sequel. So, <laughs> hmm. 
Mm. Yeah, did they talk to a lot of the '80s uh, meatheads in there? They did. They talked to and like Cynthia Rothrock is in there. Uh, okay, Channel O'Brien. Yeah, Channel O'Brien. Um, they had a couple other people, and I'm just really blanking on who. Oh, uh, in Best of the Best, the guy who plays. Was it Tommy? Tommy Lee? I don't remember what it, the actor's name is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they also had Don the Dragon Wilson in there. So it, it's, it's a good, like, if you like 80s, early 90s action movies, it's a good thing to, to, to check out. But uh, it's yeah. not nearly There'll probably as... never be another decade like the 80s just for the sheer <laughs> volume of stuff that was made. This is true. Like, if they do 2010s to 2020s, it's all superhero stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll just have to wait uh, to 2050 for that, which uh, we'll talk about again a little bit later, 2050. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Did you have another um, thing you wanted I, to talk about? Yes. So <clears throat> unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to your bachelor party. That was very disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, but it turned out to be a blessing in disguise because not only did I get to put all of that, those Vegas funds towards my little surgery procedure I had, um, I also treated myself with the with the remaining balance of that to an early Father's Day present, Ooh. and I got myself a Nintendo Switch. Ooh-hoo. I am in full on Nintendo fanboy mode again, <laughs> <laughs> and right. I can honestly say I haven't felt like this since probably the N sixty four days. Which, Ooh. as some of you may know, I also recently bought a, an old used N sixty four just for nostalgia purposes. Mm. And um, bragging rights, and I showed Daniel that I am, in fact, the better Mario Kart right driver than he is. Ooh. Suck it, Daniel. Um, no, and wait, um, you, I, I have to assume if you're, you got an N64, you've been playing Goldeneye. Like, there is no other game for mm-hmm. the N64. There actually are several other games. <laughs> no. Goldeneye is. Donkey Kong 64. Listen, I, I love, I love Goldeneye. <laughs> Goldeneye was my first person first first person shooter. I think it was a lot of people's first person shooter. That that game did not age well, man. Like the controls are so archaic in comparison to nowadays. The controls you on the N sixty four were just bad in general. <laughs> yeah, that's well, fair. the controller was. I mean, but think about it though. At the time, there was nothing else like it. This is like your first real like analog stick your first real venture into like 3d worlds and nobody knew how to like pilot around in that environment like they were figuring out as they went along like they really innovated a lot and yeah you started with a weird like three-pronged controller that you couldn't really tell how to hold correctly at first but you know you just kind of went from there and now we have just a bevy of you know, controller options, especially with the Switch. Which brings me to my next point. Um, one of my favorite new games is Super Smash Brothers, and they just recently had a Nintendo Direct, uh, which uh, happened during the week of E3, the Electronic Entertainment Expo. And one of my favorite new things, and I talked about this before, because I think this happened, I don't know how long ago, Um but anytime they reveal a new character in Smash Brothers, you have to remember, this is a game that started with only eight characters mm-hmm. in 1999, with four unlockables, but they were all Nintendo. And with every subsequent iteration, they've introduced so many new characters, even from outside of Nintendo, that every time they announce who the new player is, people lose their mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, like when Pac-Man was introduced, like people were like flipping over chairs, like no way they're getting Pac-Man into this. The last big one was Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII, Ooh. 
and grown adults were screeching like little girls <laughs> at the thought of like that character being introduced. So we just got a new character introduced recently, and mm-hmm. by the time this came out, like everybody who cares would have already have seen this. So um, I was actually waiting in the doctor's office uh, for my turn when this got announced, and mm-hmm. I was like, no way. <laughs> They're introducing Kazuya Mishima from Tekken into Smash ah. Brothers. Yep. So now we have characters from Street Fighter, Fatal Fury, and Tekken. And I think now we just need Mortal Kombat to round out all of the major fighting games <laughs> into uh, Smash Brothers. But yeah, there's just so many characters in there now that it's like impossible to keep up almost. But I love it. Like the fact that you can play as the dog and duck from Duck Hunt <gasps> is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> They're playable characters. They have their own stage. It's literally the old Nintendo stage with like the bushy background and the ducks flying in the back. And you can hit the ducks for like bonuses. It's crazy. It's awesome. I love it. And um, they also introduced the a new Game & Watch. So Game & Watch, for those that might not know, are the precursors to the Game Boy. They were essentially little LED games with Nintendo characters. They were super simple. And for Super Mario's, I think, 35th anniversary, they released a special edition Game & Watch that included the full first and second Super Mario Brothers games in them. Which, I mean, technology has come this far now that you can include a full game like that into like a tiny little business card-sized you know, apparatus. Mm-hmm. And for Legend of Zelda, which is going to be the 35th anniversary of them next year, or this year actually, um, we're getting another Game & Watch that includes Legend of Zelda 1, Legend of Zelda 2, and the Game Boy game, Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, which I'll be honest, I'm going to get it just for that game. I literally just got the remake of that game for the Switch, mm-hmm. and... That's so good. I actually want that other one as well, like the original version in that little portable format. I actually just played the original Link because if you pay for online Nintendo, which I didn't know this till you got your Nintendo, apparently you have access to Super Nintendo and <laughs> Nintendo NES games. And I've been yes. just at night just going through them and just, oh, I die. All right, next game. Oh, I die. <laughs> So I played the original Legend of Zelda, and I'm like, oh my gosh, Like, I have no idea what it's, I'm doing. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that that was every single kid that rented that game in the late 80s, early 90s, because usually you wouldn't get it with instruction manuals or the maps, so yeah. you would just fart around, yeah. like not knowing where to go. Uh, well, there's also a few Japanese games on there that is just, just all in Japanese and, and I have no idea what's going on, what buttons to hit or nothing. I'm like, what is happening here? I get it. It's a dystopian, but okay, what's this? And then there's one with ghosts in the mansion and I'm like, why are there a bunch of ghosts? Like, yeah. What's happening? I don't know. I need to learn Japanese. Yeah, that, that was an unintended bonus. <laughs> if you sign up for Nintendo online, you get their little sort of catalog or back library of old school games it's not comprehensive um there's some that are not in there like the super nintendo one doesn't have street fighter you have to pay separate bubble bubble i just want to play bubble bubble again so bad but it's it's comprehensive enough though that if you love those old retro games and i think what i'm realizing from all of this is i'm definitely going into the midlife crisis era of my life right now 
Because oh, no. I'm just really embracing the stuff I liked as a child, like, completely again. And um, I'm here for it. I'm like, you know what? Like, screw aging gracefully. I'm going to fight this <laughs> kicking and screaming and enjoy some Nintendo along the way. There you go. Well, yeah, I mean, a Nintendo Switch is, like... If I were to get one, it'd only be to play Breath of the Wild and I guess all the older games that you can get, but I just don't play video games enough and it seems weird to buy it just to play <laughs> one Zelda game. <laughs> so, because I've never been a, a Smash Brothers fan. Like, every time I've seen people play, it's just, it's too much It's a lot on going screen. on. Yeah, it's too much going on in the screen at one time and I'm just like, ah, I'm okay. <laughs> it's you know, I, I used to think that way, too, because, like I said, I didn't really play it the, when it first came out, because that was when I was starting to phase out of video games. Um, N64, I think, was the last system. No, I got a PS2. That's what it was. So I, I upgraded to, like, the more modern aesthetic uh, video games at the time, played a lot of PS2, upgraded to an Xbox eventually, was an Xbox supporter for the longest time. I stopped mm. caring about PlayStation for a while, because Master Chief. Um, yeah. And then things just kind of came back around full circle where, like, I've had an Xbox 360 and I played it in the last 10 years. I want to say I picked up the controller maybe five times and that might be generous for the Xbox. <laughs> I just don't care. You know, like, I, I could be doing something else right now with this time. But this kind of just brought it back. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, John and his new Nintendo Switch. <laughs> Yeah, not a big fan of how you're supposed to add friends on it. It's not like gamer tags where you say, hey, what's your gamer tag? It's like, now you have to have like a social security number, basically. Okay. Is that everything for you, John? Um, yeah, I also saw the Angry Video Game Nerd movie. That's the less we say about that, the better. And you can watch <laughs> Into Darkness Part 2 on Shudder. That's right. It's on Shudder. Uh, for my week's watch, I watched the first three episodes of part two of Lupin on on uh, Netflix. Mm. Uh, there is five episodes in the season or part, like because it's part one had five episodes, part two has five episodes. Um, I watched the first three. It it's a little bit of a departure from what you saw in the first season, but that's only because the first season ends in a way that you have to deal with that in the second. And I'm not okay with it. Okay. <laughs> like, uh, the first episode back, you're dealing with what happened at the end of the first uh, season. And it's just... And I'm not saying it because I just don't want to spoil it for anybody that hasn't watched it yet. But um, I really feel like they tell the story in a way that is very unfair to the watcher uh, or the viewer. Like, huh. it doesn't really make sense. Uh, and, and the first season isn't like every episode is, is a different heist and this, this one, I, I'm three seasons, three episodes in and there's not really any heist yet. So <laughs> I've no, I was, I'm kind of, that's what I'm expecting. Uh, I, but obviously they're dealing more with character development in, in this season, which is fine. Like that's what we're here for also to, to do that. Still great. The only other issue I had was that it's felt like, and it might just be my setup, but the audio was, wasn't as great. So instead of just watching it in the subtitles, the English subtitles, I was doing the English dubs and the voices for the English dubs are so low in comparison to all the background noises that they have. Uh, I don't remember it being that way in the first part. Uh, so the second part, 
I don't know if they they did something different or if it just uh, somehow changed on my settings, which I don't think it was. Uh, I'm still enjoying it. Uh, I I can't wait to finish the the season, and uh, it looks like they already have plans for part three. So there's that. There we go. Now you all read Lupin versus Sherlock Holmes. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes. Oh, Sherlock Holmes. Sorry. Sholmes. Sholmes. Take a shot. <laughs> uh, for Love of Pages. Now, yes. how did they depict the Lupin character in that? Uh, very well. It was the airlock they got wrong. But well, Yeah, that's because it's the French writing about an English detective. <laughs> yeah. So it's never going to be particularly flattering. <laughs> very much the gentleman thief cocky egotistical and just but not necessarily bad i guess has his own code of ethics yes um the funny thing was is in this season they they mentioned sherlock holmes a lot more so i don't know if they're intending to bring in a character to thwart him in the same way of sherlock holmes in the part in part three or the later part of the season or not mm-hmm. Uh, and I think the last time we talked about this, I think when Steven brought it up, uh, I was talking about the other gentleman thief in French literature of the Phantom or Le Phantom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, in that one, he is okay with killing. Like, whereas Lupin would He's, never hurt no. somebody yeah. like that way. Well, that's where the gentleman comes from, is the fact that they don't kill, right? I yeah. think it's more. I thought it was. I figured it was the classy thing. Like no, it's, it's, it's wearing a monocle and stuff like means that. I'll steal from you, but I'm gonna be nice about it. Oh. <laughs> well, then there you go. I, I always saw the the, the fin, le fantôme or whatever is is also supposed to be called that. But the difference is that he would he he if backed into a corner will kill. Yeah. So mm. I don't know. Um, but so I'm interested in if they ever do something with that character as well. But uh, I am enjoying Lapont and. If anybody else is into heist stuff, they should watch it. Okay, let's get into Loki, episode two, The Variant. So, uh, we get to see more of the TVA, and (laughs) we definitely get an answer to Elizabeth's question from last week in form that Loki says, it looks like you just incinerate everybody. And he's like, yes, (laughs) Yes. kind of. (laughs) Which is a very nice way to say you just incinerate everybody. Uh, I'm not really okay with the fact that that is in fact the answer, which we all thought was going to be the answer. But, <laughs> but it's it's. I mean, I get it. I, they weren't supposed to exist, anyways. They aren't supposed to exist based upon some, you know, three lizard people's decision about what the timeline should look like. But they also there. do still exist on the main timeline. But so it's, it's like not it's like breaking them. the mirror that exists. It's a very complicated free will discussion. No, yeah. And no, we got into I, some awesome philosophical discussion do, in this yeah. episode, and no. I was all for it. Oh, I do yeah. appreciate that Mobius and Loki finally sit down and have this conversation about free will versus this predetermined timeline and how this works, because that is the ultimate question I have, and I'm not sure I'm okay with the TVA's answer. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure I'm okay with three lizard people <laughs> <laughs> determining so, whether or not something should happen making or not. the decisions. And the TVA is kind of a cult? Yes. Only kind of. <laughs> Not kind of. It is. You are in a cult. <laughs> hey, but we get the most important answer of all. We now know where Jessica Hyde is. That's true. <laughs> that is true. We Jessica do know where Hyde Jessica Hyde is. <laughs> works for the TVA. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, that was interesting to see that in uh, the beginning sequence of the of the show that she showed up, that that actress showed up again. Uh, I also want to say that, wow, I don't know if Bonnie Tyler is alive at the moment, but her song of I Need a Hero yes, is being is. used quite a bit in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, uh, it should be used every week. It should, but this was not the <laughs> right... I, didn't, I felt yeah. like this fight scene was not the right place to no, do it. No, it wasn't. It... it like it, the song is so upbeat and has a fast tempo, whereas that fight scene is not fast. It is. It's not. You know, the, the problem with that scene is that this whole thing was already done better in like Shrek part two. <laughs> there is no fight scene that goes along with that song other than the Shrek part. <laughs> See, and for me, it's always short circuit too when uh, Johnny five no. is swinging around on uh, his crane and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, it, it it just seemed very out of place and 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 not like there's no hero in that s- sequence. So why no. is, or it? is there? <laughs> or is there? That's or fair. There? Yeah, maybe the real villain is the TVA and the lizard people. And uh, what we're seeing here is we're seeing things from the villain's point of view. Uh huh. I mean, we're supposed to believe that at this point, as we see later on, this is the female loki or lady loki or whatever you want to call it a female version of loki that is doing all the killing quick note on that Mm -hmm. although she's listed as the variant Mm -hmm. on imdb in the credits she's listed as sylvie sylvie okay yes and that's supposedly because i didn't know this like offhand but um one of those uh, YouTube things you missed from Loki this week or whatever. Um, that's the name of, or one of the names of a different character known as the Enchantress in the Marvel Universe. <sighs> okay. That's interesting. Uh, we did already have an enchant- Enchantress in the MCU. Huh? Uh, she was on a few episodes of the first season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but... But as it's we not know, canon, right? You know, Agents of Shield is canon. It is canon. It yeah. is canon. It's a different dimension. Not a dim- different dimension. And this is the biggest issue I have after it the would f- be wiped <laughs> out, right? By the TV. <laughs> it's, it's a variant. <laughs> it's a variant. I mean, yeah. At this point, we don't know because that that last season of of Agents of Shield really goes heavy into time travel and what that could all mean. And Kevin Feige has absolutely nothing to do with that with that show. Correct. But. In the first episode of Loki, when uh, Mobius is showing the death of Coulson to Loki, uh, people jumped on that to be like, "Well, see, Agent Shield doesn't exist because he doesn't he doesn't tell Loki that that Coulson lives after that." It's like, "Well, he's not supposed to. Like, he wants him to feel bad. Like, yes. that's the whole point." <laughs> so, I still think Agents of Shield counts. Uh, Nick Fury shows up in that show. Boulder, not Boulder. Um, <laughs> Sif, Volstagg. Yeah, Sif does. Yeah, yeah they they all show up. So I say that it, it it's canon. I'm not Kevin Feige though. So <laughs> I don't know what Disney stance on it is. Well, what the MCU stance right. on it is. Because I thought last I heard it wasn't. So or it's. I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Say, John, are you googling it? No, I'm not. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I think it's honestly it is until it's not until someone specifically says no, this didn't happen. So. The thing with the Enchantress, though, is she can change her appearance just as much as Loki can. So yeah. it could be a different actress or just they just have a different actress. It doesn't matter. It could be a different version. I mean, you've got, as we see at the beginning of this, they've fought, you know, 400 different Lokis that all look a little different. So. Yeah. 
I wouldn't mind. That was awesome. <laughs> I'm sure there someone out there with better computer equipment paused it and freeze framed every one of those designations of all those different Lokis, and I wouldn't mind seeing that eventually. I'm sure it's yes. on the internet. I'll really send you that video. One okay. of them, was one of them a horse? Do you know, John? Oh. Because in the mythology, Loki yeah. turns himself into a mare. Nice. Yeah. And then gives birth to, like, I think it's a seven legged horse or something like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Which like I think is supposed to be the horse kid. that Odin rides. Yes. Yes. It oh. is the horse that Odin rides. Odin rides yeah. his own grandkid? Yep. Okay. Well, Don't Loki, think about that. Loki <laughs> and Odin are related. Mythology, man. <laughs> Fair. Uh, I like my gods a little depraved. <laughs> <laughs> well, then you really like the Norse gods and the Greek gods because yeah. they're all they're a little all depraved. A <laughs> <laughs> um, what I mean, what else did we we, we learn from this episode? Ooh, we got introduced to Chekhov's jet ski. because they mentioned it in this scene or this episode so thus we need to see a jet ski at a later episode is what you're saying yeah Yeah. i mean it happens twice at first loki when he's going through his training which quick side note i loved everything about those bureaucratic scenes and loki going through his like (laughs) like, tutorials and questions Mm -hmm. um somebody freeze-framed the the multiple choice question that was on his monitor, which I think I'm starting to understand now why I connect so much to this aesthetic. It looks so much like Fallout. Oh yeah, yeah it with does. His, with the exception that the graphics are more orangey than green, it mm-hmm. looks like the kind of shit that you would see on the Pip Boy and on different monitors throughout the the wasteland. Um, but yeah, there's a really interesting multiple choice question on his monitor that says if Thanos has two apples and he eats them both and he's still hungry. Um, can he a like go back in time to before he ate the apples to eat them again, or b like that wouldn't work because if he goes back in time to before he ate them, then they wouldn't be in his stomach anymore. Like it's this really interesting time paradox, like multiple choice thing. And apparently there was a right answer, but I don't remember which of those options it was anymore. Um, and the fact that he's now wearing basically like just a boring little suit and tie, not even a suit, just like a shirt and tie. And they give him his own little variant brown um, windbreaker or jacket or whatever. Yeah, like his little like members only jacket, which um, also reminded me of some of the best parts of Portal 2 when they're in like the 70s and everything's got those brown and orange tones to oh, it. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I need that jacket. Uh, the, that's going to be such an easy cosplay to do now. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm variant Loki. <laughs> That's the part I, I don't get. Like, as the TVA, you've got all of these time times to choose from. Why do you go with the 70s? I think that's just the it's the just most bureaucratic fun. look like you Fair. can find. Yeah. Uh, like things weren't ergonomic yet, you know. Yeah. Th- people didn't think about bad lighting is bad for your eyes kind of thing. It's just, it's the most. Just gaudy furniture. Yeah, it's just this, yeah, I am waiting for the shag carpet to show up. <laughs> also, oh, I'm sure there was some shag carpet in that one judge's office. You just right. didn't see it because they didn't pan out. <laughs> uh, oh, oh, that reminded ahead. me, Mitch. Um, Mobius. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of interesting stuff happening in that conversation between him and the and the judge. Um, particularly at one point, he tries yes, uh, Slayer, Renslayer. Um, and at one point, Mobius tries to direct his attention to the three timekeepers, specifically to the middle one, and she cuts him off. And then that changes the conversation to something about, oh, she has another agent that works for her. 
like mm-hmm. secretly or whatever. And there's a pen. They says, "Oh, this must be from your other like secret squirrel guy." Yeah. And it says something like Franklin D. Roosevelt High School, I think. Okay. Does that okay. mean anything to you? That does not mean anything to me, but I'm sure for some huge Marvel fanboy that does. Yeah, I'm just really like, okay, they're throwing all these different things at us. And I know for a fact that the writer of the show made a comment somewhere. He says, hey, I'm just like you guys. I like pouring over all of these details. So have fun. I'm like, okay, so all of these things probably do mean something. Oh, yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure all the stuff that's on her shelf that means something too, as opposed like where she kept her snow globe and yeah. her baton because yeah. she goes to grab it when all the emergency uh, signals start going off. Mm-hmm. The one, there's a triple yeah. zero threat. <laughs> yeah, which means that was the first one or is that like the last one that they added in? Like, what do you think? Like, is it at the beginning of the book? If everything goes to hell, call for a triple zero. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine it's at the front. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if they have any lawyers, that goes at the front. <laughs> <laughs> so my... One of my issues with the episode is uh, is the time travel, obviously. Uh, when Loki is talking to Mobius when they go to the Renaissance Fair in Oshkosh, uh-huh. he says, well, why don't we just go back to before the variant? Yeah. And he's like, well, we can't because it happens in real time. But to me, you exist outside of time, so thus all of other time is ex- happening at the exact same moment. Unless they don't exist out of time when they go in the timeline. When they go in, this is correct. But before they go in, they should still exist outside of the timeline. So why are you pruning from the, the back end as opposed to the front end? Correct. And then also, when they have the emergency at the end... Unless if they prune from the front end, they kill the plant. That would be my guess. Because my thing is, is plants. <laughs> yeah, my guess is, is because as we watch those time bombs kind of go off, they kind of spread outwards. Mm-hmm. You have to prune from this end so that way it stops by the time it gets to the main timeline. Whereas if you did it at the main timeline, you'd probably cut into the actual main timeline and mm-hmm. kill things you're not supposed to. Yeah. That's, okay. That's more my thought on it. Then that's a great explanation. I don't know enough about <laughs> gardening. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I. Just, but also, it didn't seem like that. I mean, the only problem when they when the bombs go off uh, to me seems like you don't have enough manpower because so many were going off at once. But I would think that you should be able to go back as many times after you deal with the first one to go back but it's the whole real I feel time like the thing most time that you the more times that you go back the more unstable time is i'm assuming well but those things aren't part of the sacred timeline that they they keep made so that shouldn't well, disrupt that they continually talk about the longer that those things are allowed to progress mm-hmm. as soon as they the, get to the red line as soon as they get to the red line they become their own timelines and you lose the ability to prune so my guess is that's really where the issue is, is you have to get to them before they get I, to creating their own timeline. And I guess the issue that I have the most with the, with the whole timeline and time travel part is the real time. Like how does in real time exist since they live outside of time? Because the timekeepers say it does. Yeah, I mean that's, that's literally, literally what it is. It's answers. just the drivers, or it's, it's just the writers. You have to take the word for everything. 
Yes. Yeah. You're in a cult. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's why it kind of makes sense because it's like it's a cult running the entire universe. So it makes sense because it's a cult. Like <laughs> it's like, it makes sense for them kind of thing. So my question is, how how did the lizard people make one timeline? Like, how did they kill all these timelines? Is my curious. Thing yeah, on it. that was that was going to be my next one. Because I was like, because my thought is, is if it if the problem is that if it becomes if it grows too much, you can't prune it. Does that mean that they've failed before and there exists another timeline? Or what did they do? Well, I thought like how did how did they come to this conclusion that this exact point is, is they went where to the beginning no of time prune. and they just made sure there was no variance after that. Yeah. They they went to the beginning of time, protected this timeline, but then they have that line where Loki's like, How does it end? And they're like, they're still weaving through it. And it's like Well, isn't that the same as the fates where they just keep waving weaving the, 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 the okay, cords yeah. together? Well, I maybe that is what it's like. It's That's, it's yeah. it's like we have this abundant amount, we're gonna pick and choose which ones we want in our main timeline, and we still have all these knots and these yarn, mm-hmm. but we're trying to thread it together into one big piece of yarn mm-hmm. it's the what there is it's the weaver theory of time yes there we go there you go <laughs> no no but what i'm saying is is that so the tva says it's got these two parallel lines for every time there's a variant and if you reach those parallel lines a new timeline has been created and you can no longer prune where did they determine how to put those like they had to have failed to determine that, oh, this is where we can no longer... So there has to exist... What is the time? Back yeah. in time, there has to exist, by definition, there has to exist some alternate timelines to the sacred timeline because you had to have failed to know where you're pruning. Like, going back again to the garden metaphor, somebody somewhere had to have killed a plant by pruning too much to learn when and where to prune. So by definition, there are still more timelines than the sacred timeline because the TVA had to fail to figure out where those pieces are. Yeah. You, you don't learn your barriers until you hit the barriers. You don't know what regulations to have until people die because you don't have a regulation. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. You didn't know you couldn't eat a Tide Pod until they put the warning, do not eat Tide Pods on the box. Well, you didn't know you needed the warning until somebody ate one. There you go. That's, <laughs> That's more accurate, is. yes. Uh, I'm sure that, as we spoke about it last week, we're gonna be, at the end of the season, se- series or season, uh, you're just going to pull out and you'll see that there's someone above the lizard people and they're just like men in black. They're just Space a timeline that someone else is pruning. So then yeah. the, the TVA has no power there and there's going to be something else that's even bigger and stronger. Well, I, I think I mentioned on Silver Surfer show they had space and time itself. Like time was a lady and space was a man and it's mm-hmm. just like we're space and time. We see everything. Oh, and then they had the watchers too. Yeah. But I just like are they pruning time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing this blue lady like and snip snip. <laughs> I was gonna say. So, does that make if if the TVA is a cult, does that make the Watchers the like anthropologists that are like coming in and like observing the cult? <laughs> if they yeah, if they get the if they bring the Watchers in, Watu and the Watchers. Uh, so okay, uh, we Which have that. They are for uh, imagine what? Imaginative? What if? No, what do they call it? As what if? What if? Yes. <laughs> I kept thinking as if, but that's not right. That's well, I mean, we got to see them in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. 
uh, in Stan Lee's yes. cameo. So they we, they exist in the canon already. We just haven't really talked to them. But yes, we will get Owatu talking to us in the What If animated series. <gasps> which, how is that going to tie into uh, the TVA? It's going to be like, this happened at one point, but they pruned it back? Oh, yeah. No, maybe... Maybe Watu's going to pick up where, or what if is going to pick up where Loki ends? Because as we saw in this episode, they did well. The variant caused a lot of damage to the timeline, and all these different branches just started going off, and it caused panic in the control room. Which, by the way, interesting Easter eggs because you can see on those monitors where a lot of those went off. Um, some of them were well known Marvel locations like Vormir in the future, like 2350. Uh, Ego, sometime in the past, the living planet was bombed. Um, well, we know nowhere. that. I think we know one of the what if stories is uh, what if Black Panther was Star Lord or something like that? So, what yes. if, so that could definitely like Ego coming to Earth, changing it up kind of thing. Or, yeah, Yondu picking up just some other kid because Star Lord was never born. Is that like, okay? We need the, the strongest. Wakandan or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, also, I thought it was very interesting when we got into Rock's cart that Loki, or at least the people who are make, creating the show or running the show, wanted to show us that he can use his magic right there. He uses it to dry himself off, right? Yeah. Uh, and they ask him about it. I think that meant something. Like That's like, he's using his magic here. Something isn't right. Like something else, he's going to be using it for something else in this particular sh- that is going to come back later. That's where I feel like as an audience member, it's like a reminder that this is not the Loki of the MCU. This is the other Loki. Because when that happened, I was like, did he actually try his clothes or is he lying right now? Kind of like Morbiously, like, eh, you're lying when they were at the Renaissance, Renaissance Fair. Fair. Kind of like, no, you're lying. Or is that <laughs> when I was like... Are you telling the truth or are you lying? And there seems to be a lot of moments within that supermarket scene where it's like, okay, Loki looks legit scared right now. So he clearly is not planned for this situation at all. But then clearly he is trying to manipulate as well. But you don't know if he's manipulating for the TVA just to see the lizard people or if he's manipulating to join this Loki or what. Like, it's just very, <laughs> like, I you like You can't Loki, trust the, the Lord of Mischief. You can't trust the Lord of Mischief. You just can't i think my favorite line was mobius's where he says why is it that the least trustworthy people are always saying trust Trust me (laughs) and all i can think of is is if you have class you don't have to say it true or if you have to say it you don't have class kind that that yeah saying so i'm like you know both of those statements you just made i feel like apply to such a specific person that i just don't even (laughs) want (laughs) to uh which also made me think of if you remember back in Thor the Dark World when Loki is in his little prison cell on Asgard, mm-hmm. uh, Thor goes to talk to him and he looks pristine, pristine. and all, all fine. But then like Thor says, get rid of the, the illusion. And he's actually his room's all thrashed and he's messed up and stuff. So is he actually dry or does he just appear to be dry? 
Because his, his reasoning was, I don't want my shoes well, to squeak when I'm trying to sneak up, but yet he keeps talking. So. Yeah, he keeps talking, but then you also have the Professor Loki moment where he's explaining the difference between yeah. illusion and duplication, which I absolutely adored as somebody great. that loves magic in general. <laughs> so I feel like he actually is dry within that as opposed to the illusion that he's dry because he's not trying to hide anything. True. Well, But then also but he also could Loki. be trying to hide something. <laughs> so it's very confusing. Yeah. Oh, actually, See, oh, Go ahead. I I assumed the drawing was to remind us that outside the TVA, he can still use his magic. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was to, again, clue us in, okay, being in the timeline is separate from being at the TVA. Right. Yeah. And I think they were trying to show us that distinction. Okay. Yeah, that could be it. Um, I mean, the, he'd already had that conversation earlier with Mobius, like, you're not worried that I have my own magic back, right? Kind of thing. But yes, a visual is, is a bench, much better way. Well, and to remind the TVA agents that he's got that ability now. Which then brought me to, uh, with his fight with the uh, enchanted guys in the, in the shopping center, he is still Loki. He still has Asgardian strength. Like, how is this guy super powered when all he is is has mind control? Like this other guy, the guy that's punching him across the the grocery store. Well, it could be mind control past your human limits. That's and, fair, but I just I, I, really, I mean that would be my argument. I don't yeah, know if that's what it is. But well, or Loki's playing it safe because he doesn't know what the TVA is going to do, and he doesn't want to come across as he could have defeated them but didn't kind of thing well or just like if i kill this human like are they gonna be pissed because he died outside of but they that guy's already all destined to die destined to die. destined to die anyway which that was probably my favorite argument that loki had where it's like it doesn't matter what you do because it's all gonna end anyway <laughs> no, and just no go variance. to pompeii and be like i'm from the future we are from the future right like that was, <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was he excellent. doesn't answer him though which no. I thought was interesting. No, he Mobius didn't. is not answering. I feel like TVA is outside of time. That's it, I feel. So it too, it's so. not future or past. It's, it's there. <laughs> what's that called? The what's what's the end of time or the this that one point called? It usually has a name in all these stories the, and theories. Oh my god! Uh, it's in it's in Chrono it's Trigger. The abyss. It's the. Do you remember, John? I can't remember. What it is. Um, not what they call it in Chrono Trigger, but um. Okay, it's not it's important like, then. Like entropy or something like that? Mm. Uh, it's like the in-between place. Like telekinetic people can go to it and stuff like that. I just can't remember <laughs> what it's called. I feel like Roxcart would be the perfect place that he that uh, Mobius could get himself a jet ski also, since all that stuff's supposed to be destroyed at that right? point anyways. I know, right? He just, just take a jet ski. There doesn't seem to be any water at the TVA. <sighs> That's fair. I feel like they could probably just create it true <laughs> uh, but the fact that he he could never have one or he feels like he can never have one because taking one outside of the timeline would then create create a variant because that jet ski should always be there except that doesn't make sense because he continually brings back the trinkets for the judge i guess that's true i don't know i mean i, I mean if you bring back a trinket from a place that's getting snipped out that's also I fair. am sure somewhere in the 90s there was a jet ski that needed Loki, to be snipped out. Like in my head, Loki's just going to be like, here, we're going to go here, and it's going to be right before a tsunami somewhere, and there's going to be a jet ski, jet ski. and he's going to get Mobius on the jet ski, oh, jet ski around before the big 
the season is going to end with Mobius going into his his office and there's going to be a jet ski with a bow on it. Like it's going to happen. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> we all we all can bet on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that the TVA at the end of it believes Loki is the one who caused uh, Hunter B-15 to collapse instead of what actually happened. Mm-hmm. So they're still going after our Loki, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, him running away obviously doesn't help, but how does, I mean, is that where we're going to go? Is, is, he, is he just going to be on the run now? But or is that just going to be settled in the next episode? I think it's going to be settled in the next episode because yeah. you expect it to be on the run. Okay. And here's my other thing. The TVA can't be that dense. Like, if you get to see all of the timeline, you should be able to see what has occurred. And you should be able to replay all of those conversations. Which makes me think that the variant timelines or this these branches that need to be pruned, they can't see. Yeah, they're unwatchable, and that's why they don't like them. Well, except the thing is... Until is, it becomes a timeline. Yeah. Except, as Loki points out before these apocalyptic events, they're not variants. You don't see any variation because everything gets destroyed. So they can go back before the apocalypse and see what was going on. Yeah, yeah, that time they are safe to go back again. And again and again and again and again. Which also brings me to the point of uh, Sylvie or the variant. Shouldn't there be multiple versions of her at Roxcart at this point? Because we know that she came here at least once other time to grab Kablooey and give it to the kid. Unless she was keeping them. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. And then you've got the whole time paradox issues when that occurs. Unless so. after this point where she walks through the door is when she's going to the church to take out those other TVA agents. Like, that's the problem with time travel. Yeah. <laughs> See, I would imagine, though, that every time the variant goes back to one of these apocalyptic events, it's a new... Um, splinter of the timeline. So, like the, the time fair. that the variant was there and got the kablooey doesn't exist anymore. It's like a reset, okay. and she just kind of waits around again until the time is up, and then she can come back to that one again before it gets destroyed. But she's not going to run into herself because it's not no longer. She's not. They're not going back into their own timeline. Like they do in Back to the Future, where they can see their past selves. The every new like travel point is now like a new delineation, I think. Well, it's because when she goes there, it's a branch, and then the apocalypse cuts off the branch. It prunes it like their machine does. So anytime so she, she goes back, branch. she's just going back cool. into the original timeline to create a new branch. That explains it. Go. Oh my gosh, they are doing a really good job. <laughs> I know they said they would, but they're doing a great job. I can see the logic in all their time travel theory. Uh, so then also, as our resident psych major, psych degree holder. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> we have a scene where Loki, who obviously has huge father issues, oh, huge. Uh, <laughs> does something that he believes is great and looks directly to Mobius and says, hey, I did a thing. Give me praise. <laughs> yeah, that's about accurate. <laughs> like he, he really, he figures out that variants can hide in an apocalypse because that there's no time, there's no time tolerance or variant tolerance that happens there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, can you go further into that? Uh, no, you're pretty much on the nose. It's, it's just, just straight up. I think also, I think Mobius reminds him of his brother too. Okay. Thor. So it's just very much, I guess, I mean, I, Loki is getting attached <laughs> kind of thing, even though it's, and then that, and that was, 
after the you're just a scared little boy comment from him too which turned mobius i think into authoritative figure mm-hmm. father figure too yep. Loki. well and since he's gotten attached that's why he has to leave him at the end of this episode because yes. he has to know that he can still detach himself still betray even the people that he cares about and then they'll still accept him yep. later on or whether or not he can reach that point of no acceptance but he never does I also really appreciated the line where he's fighting Sylvie and she says, oh, no, don't call me that. Call me Harry. Randy. Randy. And he goes, now I get why Thor hated that. (laughs) I get it. Yep, that is annoying. (laughs) I'm like, yes, sometimes you have to be presented with yourself to be like, oh, yeah, that thing I do is really obnoxious. (laughs) Uh, There is another good line in it, too, when Loki argues back against the scared little boy thing and he says no i'm just a person that knows that very bad people are not always very bad and very good people are not always very good and i absolutely adore that line john did you have another aspect you wanted to bring up yeah i'd like just how damn charming is tom hiddleston in this like anytime he does that little smirk and head tilt he's like oh you mischievous little scamp you You can backstab just want to like give him rubs on the head you know I also think that that, like because since he's the first one to speak when he first uh, interacts with uh, a possessed B-15 by Sylvie he uh, establishes that (laughs) Sylvie is supposed to be another Loki and I think Sylvie just plays along with that and that's why she gets upset when he calls her her Loki he's like no don't call me that like because I don't think it's supposed to be Loki I think it's it's supposed to be Sylvie it's supposed to be someone else and Mobius just got it wrong because it seems like it's too early in the series. We're barely episode two, and the stuff I thought we were going to be having towards the end happened here with the bombing of the timeline and the reveal of the alternate Loki. Um, so, yeah, these are not the reveals we think they are. This is leading to something even bigger still, which at this point, I'm all for it because this is what I was expecting, and now I don't know where they're going to go with it. I'm so I'm like, yeah. right, show me what comes next. <laughs> I, we only have four more episodes, so it's uh, it, it's it's it, I think it's going to go pretty quick. Do we get to see any of the variant Lokis that we saw the holograms of? Do you think? I hope so. Tom Hiddleston yeah, playing hope, a big ogre. A bunch of Lokis in one room. <laughs> the Council of Lokis. That seems highly dangerous. Uh. <laughs> uh, okay. Is there anything else that anybody would like to bring up? I just, I'd like to say I'm just very happy. I don't know what's happening. I, I can't predict it. And I think all the MCU sh- shows and even movies do a pretty good job of twisting things enough. I think the most obvious one was probably Falcon and Winter Soldier, like knowing that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam eventually becomes Captain America? Well, no, not that one. Because that was a given. Like, okay. you knew that was going to happen. But the, the who the... The Our lady, broker is the, there we go. Like, that was oh, obvious. That yes. I was like, okay, she probably is it kind of thing. But that was like the most obvious thing so far. Everything else has been fairly, fairly yeah. surprising, and Loki more so. I just I have no idea what's gonna happen, and I like that. I don't like being able to predict stuff. So, anything for you? I, I have lots more questions, but I am, I am feeling better about it. Okay. Um, and I'm, and I'm feeling a little more confident that I'm going to actually get answers to a lot of the questions mm-hmm. that I figured they were just going to, like, ignore. 
Okay. <laughs> I don't know that I'm necessarily going to like the answers, but I do have more confidence that I will actually get answers. Yeah. John? Um, just wanted to point out that one of the Lokis looked like he won the Tour de France. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just, that's just such an odd little thing to throw in there. I think it, I, I would think that it's because of so much uh, doping scandal that happens around the Tour de France. That's why they threw that in there. But that's just me. <laughs> so uh, I don't know. Uh, that's some level mischief. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Uh, I I'm I guess I am excited. This episode didn't do so much for me as the first episode did, but I I do have I guess faith that this season is going to just be pretty awesome. So uh, I I'm all for it can't wait to see what we get next all right if you have some theories or things you'd like to chime in about this episode please reach out to us you can find me on twitter i am at mitchipedia g-e-m g-e-m stands for geek elite media jessica where can people find you online you can find me twitter as jm bailey writes john um you can tweet me on uh the twitter at magic bollocks and let me know if you think uh, batman's a real hero or not Oh, okay. Okay, we're bringing that one back for the ending. That was great. It wasn't surprising. Stop acting like you're surprised. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth? You can find me with the rest of Geek Elite Media at Geek Elite Media and our Facebook page forward slash Geek Elite Media. Check out our website, geekelitemedia.com, for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on our network. Check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash geekelitemedia, for exclusive things that you can only get if you're one of our patrons. And whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us, please rate and review us so that we can help spread the word of the network. But until next time, this is the Geeks Watch on the Geekly Media Network saying always remember to geek geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Peace.